Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Today we are going to be resuming um, our series. We'll be actually jumping into our series uh, that is entitled Prison Prayers of the Apostle Paul. Uh, Last week uh, we began the series just with an introduction talking about how Paul ended up in prison to write these epistles. It was his second imprisonment in, in his first imprisonment in Rome, his second one being the time that he would actually, uh, where he was headed to his death. But it was in this imprisonment in Rome that he wrote four letters and three of them to churches, one of them to an individual. Uh, we have the book of Ephesians, the book of Philippians, the book of Colossians, and the book of Philemon, Philemon who most likely was a pastor in Colossae. But uh, in these letters that Paul wrote, uh, he wrote from prison, and, uh, and he wrote them uh, to churches that most likely were circulated. Specifically, for certain, we know that the, that the a letter to the Ephesians was a circulated letter that circulated through uh, churches in Ephesus and most likely abroad as well. But in these letters that he wrote, he shared some very, very powerful prayers. And... Um, I believe that in him writing them, his goal and his intention and his hope was that that prayer would become a reality in the life of his readers, both then and now. And I found myself reading these uh, prayers and really found myself praying these prayers over myself as well, hoping to see these things become become a reality in my life which is the reason why we're going through this series. While we're going through his prayers is hopes that we would begin to see our walk with Jesus flourish more than it is today. Amen? So um, we're going to be, today we're going to be picking up in chapter 3 of of Ephesians. And uh, there are two prayers that Paul prays in the book of Ephesians. And the first one comes in chapter 1. And the second one in chapter 3. We're skipping chapter 1 because I preached a message on um, that specific prayer in Ephesians chapter 1. And I would basically just be sharing that same message. But that's in, that, that message is entitled, What God Wants You to Know. And you can find that on YouTube, on GTC, GTCOTR on YouTube, or on Easy Sermons, and, uh, or on our podcast app. But um, that, that was a prayer that he shared in chapter 1. But he shares another prayer in chapter 3. And to catch us up, what Paul, in in chapter 1, he reveals the gospel, the the work of salvation that God does through the Father, through the Son, and through the Holy Spirit, through the Trinity. And leading up to today, which is the church, and he shares a prayer with them. And then in chapter 2, he attempts to let uh, uh, to inform his readers on how we were far from God, specifically as Gentiles. Gentiles, we were far from God. We were alienated from Israel. We had no hope because it was because c- God had chosen Israel as his as uh, as the nation that He would reveal Himself through. But 
through Christ, not only did he unite us together to himself, but he also had a plan that was a mystery that was hidden from, that was hidden in the Old Testament days from the prophets, from the priests, from the, uh, from the patriarchs, from the judges. No one knew what God was going to do through the Son, Jesus Christ, and that was bringing them together and uniting them into one entity called the church, called the body of Christ. That was his goal, and, it was, and, it, and he was letting them know that that is the reality today, that you are what God has been working together. And he mentions how they, had been, how they were being worked together as a temple in which God would dwell in, both, as, both collectively as the church, but also in each individual. As Jesus says, when two or more are gathered in, 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 and two or more are gathered in his name, then he is there in the midst. When we come together, he dwells with us, but also he dwells within each individual believer. And so that's chapter two. And then we get to chapter three. And in chapter three, Paul begins to share a prayer in verse one, but then he's interrupted. He kind of chases back to a rabbit trail maybe almost seeming like he's wanting to bring clarity to chapter 2, basically sharing that mystery again. And then we get to verse 14 where he begins to share the prayer that he'd been praying for the Ephesian church. So um, a couple of things that we are going to uh, see as we go through this series. Number one is what Paul prays for. I found this significant because Every time that we see Paul pray in these letters, he is praying according to the will of God. He is praying according to his will. And what we know about God is that he is going to accomplish his will. And he is looking for someone to accomplish his will through. And if we can learn to pray according to God's will, he is going to accomplish his will, amen? He's going to make it happen in our life. And that's what Paul is doing. And the second thing is how Paul prayed. And this is really interesting to me because, um, you know, Paul, he, he shares some things on how he's praying. And I think that they're significant because it can, it can, it can improve our prayer life on how we pray, how we approach God in prayer. And we're going to see some of that today. So, Let's go ahead and begin. Uh, we're going to go ahead and read this full uh, prayer, which is verses 14 through 19. We're going to read it together, and then we'll go verse by verse. So let's read this together. I, I, I'm reading from the ESV version. Paul says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge." that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The title of the message this morning is Growing in the Fullness of God. And that is what Paul ultimately is praying here. His prayer ultimately is that his readers then and us today would be filled 
with the fullness of God. Well, we'll explain what he means by that and what, what it means to be filled with the fullness of God. But he doesn't start with that prayer. He starts somewhere else. And so we're going to take this um, one verse at a time. And if we could put verse 14 back up there, we're going to leave it up there until we get, our, get to our first point. But he starts with this. He says, for this reason. Well, what reason is he, pray- is, is he talking about? That's the mystery that we talked about earlier, the mystery of God taking Gentile and Jew, bringing them together, uniting them as one entity through Christ called the church that is the body of Christ. And because we have been brought near to him, because he has united us together, because we are a part of the body of Christ, he says, for this reason I pray and I kneel before the Father. Now Paul was in prison. In Roman imprisonment, it was normal for you to be chained to a guard. And not only that, but you also had guards who were watching you. And so I found this interesting when Paul says that he kneels before the Father. In my mind, I'm thinking, was he physically kneeling before the Father in prayer? And, you know, most likely he probably was. Even though there was somebody, you know, attached to him, I could see the Apostle Paul still doing that. But I think that this is less about the position of prayer and more about the posture of prayer. I think it's less about the position of his body and more about the posture of his heart that he's praying. He says that I kneel before the Father. This is in prayer. And while God is our Father, and we do have access to the throne room of God through our relationship through Christ, God is also the sovereign ruler and king of the entire universe. And when we approach God, when we approach him as our father, because he is our father, there is an intimacy that we have with him, that we can call him daddy God, as Romans 8.15 says, There's also a level of adoration and level of respect that Paul has here approaching God in prayer that we too should have. That when we come to our Father, who is our Father, our Heavenly Father, there is still a level of respect. You know, we don't kneel before our Father, we don't kneel before our heaven, I'm sorry, our earthly fathers here on earth. You know, we don't, we don't do that when we approach, but it would be different if our father was king. That would change how we approach our, our father, and it's the same way with God. He is the king of the universe, and there is a level of respect that we should always have when we approach God in prayer. And then uh, he says uh, in verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, and we get to verse 16 where he begins his prayer. And when he begins this prayer, he does so with two imperatives, with two essential truths that he's wanting to us to, 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 to have in perspective as he begins to share this prayer. He says this in verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory that he may grant... Two imperatives here. Number one is that he says, according to the riches of his glory. Now, he doesn't say out of the riches of his glory, because that would mean something else. 
as someone who was rich, if you're giving out of your wealth, it doesn't matter whether you give a million dollars or a dollar, you're giving out of your wealth. But this is a little different. He says according, which also can mean in proportion. If, 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 if a wealthy person gives in proportion of their wealth, they're going to give according to what they have. And what Paul is praying for, he is requesting of God that when he, that in this prayer, that he gives in proportion to the riches of his glory, that he lavishes that whenever God gives, he's going to give according to what he has, meaning that he's going to lavish us with whatever we are asking for. Amen? Beautiful picture. And then he says that he may grant you. He's not asking God to give what we deserve. He's not asking to give uh, uh, what, what, what we have earned. Because if he were to do that, then... The, the Word of God says that, that, that our, our wages are death. He's not asking that God would give according to what we have, but, but that word grant is the word didime, which means an expression of generosity. It's unmerited favor. It's God's grace. And he's asking that God would not give according to our merits, but according to his goodness and favor. So imperatively, we can read this as that, that Paul praying that God would lavish you with his favor, with his grace. Understanding that, he begins his prayer, and he says this, that he prays that, that we would be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit. That you would be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit. What does that mean? Now, I don't know about you, but me, I ha- I, I, I'm a visual person. I'm a visual thinker. And so I have to see things for me to get it. And so I have to, you know, when I was approaching this scripture, I, was, I, I had to visually organize things for me to get it. And once, and, and once I did that, it helped me to see what Paul was praying for here. And he's, he, he says that his prayer first is that we would be strengthened with power on the inside. You know, the, the world looks at being powerful, being strong, being competent on the outside. But God is not interested on the outside. He's interested on what's on the inside because he understands that we are built from the inside out, not the outside in. And if we're not careful, we will try. We, we, we can take on the mindset and we can begin to try to change ourselves for, on the outside but it's not going to work because we have to allow the Holy Spirit work on the inside. And so he's praying that we will be strengthened with power. And the power that he's referring to is the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, what that is, is the power to choose the Holy Spirit. The power to walk by the Spirit. The power to obey the Spirit. You see... As Christians on this side of heaven, as believers, every day we are in a struggle between the flesh and the spirit, as Romans 8, Paul explains very well. But every day we have a choice to choose. But whenever we have the power of the Holy Spirit, it gives us the ability to choose the spirit, the ability to walk by the spirit. And it strengthens us on the inside that we can choose to obey him, which 
understanding that, that, that the power, when it, is, it, is, it, it is a truth of being able to, to, to not just choose the Spirit, but it, it sets us free from the inside out. Whenever, you know, rather than trying to change the outside, rather than trying to change behaviors, trying to change, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, excuse me, our habits, whatever it may be, whatever, instead of trying to change the outside, when we, uh, on, the, on, the, on the inside, allow the Holy Spirit to work on the inside of us to choose the Spirit, then it sets us free to where it begins to produce new fruit on the outside. And this is what Paul is praying for. He says that God would give them the grace, the ability, according to his favor, to be able to walk by the Spirit, to, to have the Spirit be strong, to be strong in the Spirit, to be weak in the flesh, and to be strong in the Spirit. Now, this is important because I believe that the rest of this prayer is progressive, meaning that it's, it starts with this, being strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because this is what it says. It, it, it reads, that, that the, the next verse, that Christ may dwell, in your, in, it may dwell in your hearts through faith. But I believe that you can put the word so before that. Reading, so that. Paul is praying that we would be strengthened with power on the inside, through the Holy Spirit, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ can't dwell, dwell in our hearts if we're walking in the flesh. And we're going to explain what, what, what Paul means by, by dwelling in our hearts. But when we walk by the Spirit, it gives Jesus access. So let's talk about that. What does he mean by Christ dwell in your heart? Because what we know is that when we come to Christ, Christ comes into our heart. Paul understood this, and so clearly he's not talking about asking Christ to come into life to be saved. But here he says, he uses the word dwell, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That word dwell is the Greek word katakeho, which means to have permanent residence. That when he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts, that he may have permanent residence, that he may, it's to permanently occupy a house, to live in permanently. It's the difference between a visitor coming over your house who's sitting on your furniture and requesting to eat your food versus somebody coming in and, it's, and, and, and now they are in your home and it's their home. It's now their home. They permanently reside in that house. It's, you know, you know, you know whenever people come over our house and we say, hey, my house, your house, mi casa, tu casa, hey. Well, we don't say it like that, but when we say that, we don't literally mean that you go lay in my bed, that you go and start, you know, cooking up some hamburger helper, you know, you know start throwing some food together, that, you know, go and, you know, that you go and bring your groceries and stock my pantry. You know, that's not what we're saying. You know, we're just saying, you know, you can be a little more comfortable. But that, that is exactly what this scripture is saying. That dwelling, that Christ wants to dwell in our heart. And if we were to use the analogy of our heart being a home, it is Christ coming in. And the question is, is he a visitor 
in our heart or is he a permanent resident? When he's in our heart, is, is it still our furniture? Is it still the stuff on our walls? Is it still, the, is it still our food in the pantry? Or has he come in and made it his furniture? Has he begun to rearrange what's on the walls? Has he begun to change what's in our pantry? He, his desire is to come in and change our desires, to change our thoughts, to change what we are consuming, to change our routine. That's the goal of him dwelling in our hearts. But it can only happen if we are walking by the Spirit. When we are walking by the Spirit, it gives him access to begin to work in our hearts. Amen? John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus says this very thing. He says, he says if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come in and make our home with him. That's what he wants. But he says that if, he keeps my, that if anyone keeps my word, if we walk by the Spirit, that's what Paul is praying for. His prayer is that his readers, that they would begin to, to that they would allow the Holy Spirit, they would receive the power of the Holy Spirit so they can walk in him, that they may walk according to the Spirit so that Christ can make their heart his home. So that, the next verse, that you would be rooted and grounded in love. Now, this also reads, because that, meaning that, uh, that as a result of being strengthened inwardly by the Holy Spirit, then Christ will dwell in your heart as Lord, then you will be established in love. You will be established in love. When Christ is dwelling in our hearts, when he, once, once, he has, once he's gotten in and he's beginning to make our heart his home, we begin to be established in him. He used an agricultural and an architectural uh, analogy here, being rooted and grounded in love. Once Christ is in our heart, our root system changes. Our root system goes from being in ourselves, goes from being in our flesh, to now being rooted in Christ. Our foundation goes to being rooted in Christ, or uh, being, being laid down on Christ. He is our, he's now our foundation. And from there, it is a foundation of love. That we begin to see ourselves in love. That we begin to see the world in love. Because Christ, because He is love, we are grounded and established in love. And then it's, it's so that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. That the, our new root system and our new foundation, it gives us the strength and the ability to comprehend. Because we have this new foundation, we have ability to comprehend with all the saints God's great love. Now, this is great. This is, this is, this, this is all, I mean, this is just so interesting to me. Paul's prayer is that we would be strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit, that we may be, or, or that Christ may dwell in our hearts so that we are rooted and grounded in love so that once we are rooted and grounded in love, we have the ability to comprehend God's great love for us. Now, right after this, he talks about God's love, Christ's love, 
being something that surpasses our knowledge, meaning something that we can't even understand. So how can you comprehend something that you can't understand? Comprehend, this word comprehend here is not, it's, it's, it's not an understanding, it's a grabbing hold of. It's being able to take possession of through, through a pursuit, being able to make it our own. That whenever we are grounded in him, because he's dwelling in our hearts, because we're walking according to him, there is an ability that we have then to make his love for us a reality, to make it real, to where it applies not just on the outside, but that it, that it applies to the identity of who we are. You know, when we go to the doctor and they give us an oral antibiotic, we don't take it and lavish it on the outside of us because it's not going to do anything. We have to take it orally as it's intended. And God's anecdote, his love is intended not just on the outside where it sounds good, that's great, and then we just kind of blow it off. But his desire is to get it to where we can comprehend it. We can get it on the inside of us and that it can blow past all of our defense mechanisms. That it can blow past all of our walls that we have built up to get on the inside of who we are. That we can comprehend it. That we can understand it. That we can get it. And and that it will actually begin to change us. To comprehend it and to make it our own. That's his desire. And he says that we can comprehend, comprehend, or we can comprehend, grab a hold of the dimensions of his love. He talks about the breadth or the width, the length, the depth, and the height of his love. The breadth or the width of his love is that it's for all people. Doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, doesn't matter whether you're a Gentile or a Jew, it's for all people. His love is for anybody and everybody. The length of his love is not until you mess up. It's not until you screw up. It's not something that lasts for only a year, but it's for all eternity. His love lasts for all eternity. The depth of his love represents the pit of where he pulled us out of. Do you remember the pit that you were in before you came to Christ? Do you remember where you were? He pulled us. The Bible... Paul said in chapter 2 that we were dead, that we were far from God, that we were alienated from him. But from that pit, he pulled us up to Christ and he pulled us to the height. The height represents in heaven where we are positioned with Christ. He pulled us out of the depths all the way up into heaven to seated us with Christ. That is the dimensions of God's love. It's for everybody. It's for, it's for eternity. It's from the depths all the way to the height with Christ where we are seated with him in the heavenly places. That is the dimensions of God's love. And we can grab a hold of it for ourselves. That we can make it our own. And his prayer is that we can make it our own so that you may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you would know it. Now, again here, it seems like an oxymoron. To know something that surpasses knowledge means to know something that you can't know. How do you know something? How can you know something that you can't know? Something that surpasses knowledge, no matter how hard we try, 
we will never be able to really fully understand his love. But Paul says that he, his prayer is that we would comprehend it, grab a hold of it so we can know it. So what does he mean by that? Well, that word know is not a mental knowledge. It's an experiential knowledge. It's being able to apply it and experience it, as I mentioned before, in a personal way. That his love could apply to us. That we can grab a hold of it. But again, we can't grab a hold of it unless we are allowing Christ to dwell within us, to allow him to begin to change us and to begin to change what's on the inside of us and begin to change and to begin to tear down those walls inside of us so, that his, so it makes room for his love to be applied in a personal way. And his desire is that we would know it, that we would experience it. If we can be established in God's love, then we can grab a hold of it. And if we can grab a hold of his love, then we can experience it for ourselves. And if we can experience this immeasurable, incomparable love that God has for us, and the unknowable love of God, if we can experience this love for ourselves, then we get to his ultimate prayer that we would be filled with the fullness of God. If we can walk by the Spirit, be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so we can choose to walk according to His Spirit, that we can, then we will be, then, then Christ will dwell in our hearts. We will be established in love, then we'll, then, which allows us to comprehend it, to grab a hold of it. Then we can experience His love so that we can be filled with the fullness of God. This is the ultimate result that Paul is praying for. So what is the fullness of God? Scripture, when we read about the fullness of God, almost every time talks about Jesus, that the fullness of God is in Jesus Christ. That, 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 that God was pleased for the fullness of God to dwell within Christ. The fullness of God is all inside of Christ. And so when, we, when he talks about being filled with the fullness of God, he's talking about being filled with Jesus Christ, that we would be filled with him. That if, and if we are filled with Christ, Paul is understanding that, listen, this is, what, this is what we should be aiming for. This is my prayer, is that you would be filled with Jesus, that you would be filled with him, that you would be made more like him every single day, that you would grow in the fullness of God. And that word filled means to be filled with the brim all the way overflowing, that we would have enough Jesus for ourselves and for somebody else. That's his prayer, is that we would be filled with Jesus. Amen? So a few takeaways that we, that, we can, that we can pull from this prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesian church. What a powerful prayer. Number one is let us walk by the Spirit. That's the first thing he lists. Let us walk by the Spirit. But the fact is that we cannot walk by the Spirit in our own strength. We cannot walk by the Spirit in our own power. We cannot walk by the Spirit in our own ability. We, we, we will fail every time, which is why he says for us to be strengthened with power 
by the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us, to give us the ability to walk by the Spirit. Amen? It is by His power that we can live to please the flesh, which allows us to say no to temptation to say no, and to begin to see, our, to, to see those old habits begin to change, begin to fall off, and new habits begin to produce in our life through the fruit of the Spirit. But it all begins with the power of the Holy Spirit. We need His power. And we will pray for that in just a minute. But when we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to walk according to the Spirit. And when we do... Number two, let us allow Jesus to make our heart his home. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm praying, you know, I'm sharing, you know, this are things that I'm sure that many of you are already doing. But this is something that we can always do more of, that we can allow Jesus to make our heart his home. That we can allow Jesus, you know, that we don't keep doors closed in our heart, but that we allow him to those broken parts of us the parts of us that are hurting, the parts of us that we haven't got over, that we can open up that door and allow Jesus to minister to us, that we can allow his love to, to, to begin to minister to us in those areas. Jesus is looking. He says, he says that, that, that God is looking forward to making our heart his home. As we obey him, that's what he wants to do. But let it be, let, let him do the work in us. Amen? Number three, let us experience God's love in a personal way. In a personal way. And this is hard sometimes. And I can say it from experience because there is a lot of things that I had to really allow God to, to minister to me through. And for so long, I was walking with so many defense mechanisms built up in my life that I just realized that, that one day I realized I'm looking through the eyes of fear every single day. I had, to, I had to continue to allow the love of God to minister so that fear can be driven away by his perfect love. Amen? Fear is driven away by perfect love. And when we allow him to minister to us in a real way, that we can open up those, we can make ourselves vulnerable, allow him to minister, allow it to begin to deliver us, then we can see the truth where he says that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? He is looking to set us free that we can walk in love. But it begins with us allowing him to minister to us. Let us, let us experience God's love in a personal way. And then fourthly, let us continue to grow in the fullness of God. Let us continue to grow in Christ. Let us continue to be filled with Jesus. And man, when we are filled with Jesus, when we are filled with him, come on. That is as good as it gets on this side of heaven. That is as good as it gets. And this is not just a one-time thing that we finally got filled with Christ. The best thing is that tomorrow we get to do it again. Tomorrow we get to be filled with Jesus again. We get to walk by the Spirit. We get to choose to walk by the Spirit. We get to choose to allow Jesus to dwell in our hearts. We get to choose to experience his love in a personal way. And we choose to allow Jesus to fill us 
more and more and more to where he is overflowing and we can share Jesus with other people. Amen? That's what he's wanting. That is what he's wanting. But it's got to be, it's got to be real. It's got to be authentic. It can't just be something that's on the outside flowing off of us, but it's got to get on the inside. We have to allow Jesus to dwell in our hearts, to do the work. Amen? And that comes through the Word of God. When we spend time in the Word of God, He will begin to transform us. And we can't just read it and walk away. We have to read it and we have to pray on it. We have to meditate it on the, meditate on it as the word of God says, which means to murmur, to speak it to yourself, to meditate, you know, to think on it, and, and then pray on it. God, make this a reality in my life and allow it to minister and do the work, and we will begin to see Jesus do even more in your life. Amen. I uh, as uh, this weekend, as I was going through this, man, I was praying that God would help me to tear down every, every wall of fear, every wall of insecurity, anything in me that is not of him. That is my prayer. That's, that's a reality I want in my life. But it's going to involve allowing, uh, 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 me allowing Jesus in and for me to open up those doors. And the same can be for you. Let's allow Jesus to get inside those, 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 those nicks and those crevices, those cracks in our life, and allow him to begin to fill them up with him. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you so much, Lord, for all that you have done for us. And God, we pray by the Holy Spirit, God, that you would empower us. Lord, empower us with the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability to choose you every single day. Lord, I pray that you would fill us now, Lord. Your word says, God, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours, Lord. We don't have to beg for your spirit, but Lord, we can ask and we shall receive, Lord. I pray, God, that you would bless us. God, give us your spirit, God. God, or, or, God give us the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would dwell in us, God, that we would allow you to dwell in our hearts, God, that we would experience your love in a real way so that we may be filled with you. God, I pray that we would be filled with Jesus every single day. Lord, I pray that you would allow, God, that you would, God, you would call us, God, to relationship with you every morning, every day, Lord, in the word of God, to draw closer to you that we may be filled with Christ. God, we thank you for it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, you believe, if you believe that, say amen and amen. Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.